podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC. It's the day after West Ham United 3, Liverpool 2. The Reds' unbeaten run in all competitions comes to an end at 25 games. And there's quite a bit of fallout. The performance was not good. The warning signs that we'd seen in a multitude of games already this season were all prevalent in this one. And for once, Liverpool didn't have the attacking threat to overcome the issues they have right now with their defence and midfield. I've seen a lot of people suggest that Liverpool controlled the game with a better team and played well. And I just don't know where this comes from. I think there's a bit of arrogance about it to suggest that Liverpool played well and deserved something from the game. I think they were quite fortunate not to get heavily beaten, to be totally honest. West Ham controlled the game. Now, they were aided by some very questionable VAR decisions. The first goal, it's very clear, Ogbonna's arm catches Alisson's arm. Alisson, trying to claim a corner, is unable to do so and kind of slaps it into his own net. VAR decided that it wasn't a foul. Now, I think Alisson has to do better regardless. It is a foul. Let's be clear, it is a foul. It's not intentional, but it is a foul. Ogbonna's right arm catches Alisson's right arm. But Alisson has to do better. He has to be stronger there. He has to be more aggressive. Now, maybe... Mikel Antonio coming across and sort of bumping him before the corner was taken threw him off. But he has to be better. He has to get a more forceful fist to that ball and send it away. It doesn't matter where it goes as long as it doesn't go into your net. Shortly after that, there was an incident between Aaron Cresswell and Jordan Henderson where Henderson went for a loose ball Cresswell went for a loose ball. Cresswell kind of lunged at it. And his foot bounced off the ball and came up and caught Henderson just below the knee on the inside of his leg. And Henderson went down. No free kick was given. VAO reviewed it. And decided there wasn't enough force for it to be a red card. Now, because the referee hadn't given the initial free kick, VAR couldn't award a free kick. So West Ham retained possession after a clearly over-the-top challenge. There's a lot of discourse about this. Is it a red card? Isn't it a red card? I think if, if Henderson is coming straight onto the ball... And Cresswell goes across the top and catches him on the front of the leg. I don't even think it's debated. I think it's a straight red. Regardless of the force, regardless of intent, it is dangerous play. He has endangered an opponent. And I'm not sure how they can logically say, well, because it was the side of the leg, that it's any different. It could have caused serious injury to Jordan Henderson. Now, from there, Having scored their opening goal, West Ham were very happy to sit back and control the space. 
they dictated where the game was played. Liverpool had all the possession, but it was empty possession. They didn't get behind West Ham once. They didn't create anything resembling a great opportunity in the first half. West Ham were very, very comfortable, very controlled. David Moyes has done a brilliant job with that team, setting them up in a 4-2-3-1 that throughout the flow of the game becomes a 4-5-1, a 4-2-4. At times it was 4-3-3. At times it was 4-1-4-1. And at times it was 4-4-2. They're very well organized, very well drilled, very, very disciplined. And I think, tactically, they're about as good as anybody in the league. At what they do, they're about as good as anybody in the league. And they are now third in the league, having gone ahead of Liverpool after yesterday. Now, Liverpool did score just before half-time. Salah wins a free kick on the edge of the box. West Ham fans want to cry about this. It's a blatant foul by Declan Rice. And Trent takes the perfect free kick, plays it short to Salah, Salah stops it for him, and he bends it over the wall and into the roof of the net. It's a brilliant goal. They go in at half-time 1-1, and you think, okay, second half, Liverpool will be better. There had been warning signs in that first half about West Ham's intent, which was to sit in, draw Liverpool on, and hit them on the counter-attack. And we have seen this season Liverpool are not particularly good at defending the counter-attack this year. In part because midfielders are not doing what they're asked to do. In part because others are being asked to do too much. Mikel Antonio had that one break in the first half where if his control doesn't doesn't fail him, maybe he gets an opportunity to shoot on goal. In the second half, It starts off with a fairly even tempo to the game. Liverpool get a decent chance with Mane. Brilliant ball from Trent finds Robertson, whose first time cross is hit by Mane, but it's a good save. It's a simple save. It's straight at him. We're not really testing Fabianski at this point. We didn't really test him throughout the game. But then they started to break on us. And in one of those breaks, Jared Bowen drives down the left-hand side, our our left, their right. Three Liverpool players converge. Fabinho tries to get to him to make a cynical foul. Isn't close enough, doesn't quite reach it. Bowen plays the ball through to Pablo Fornals. Joel Matip makes a gamble to go and and try and meet Bowen. And let's Fornals run past him. Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's trying to cover right-sided midfield and right-back, can't get close enough. Fornals is past him. Van Dijk tries to recover. He'd been on Antonio. He tries to recover and just doesn't get there in time. It's not a well-struck shot, and Alison Becker should do better. It's a weakly-struck left-footed shot that I think Ali saves nine times out of ten. But it's 2-1 to West Ham, and they're good value for it. There's no real argument that they're not. 
They have a couple of more really good counterattacks after that. Allison saved in a 1v1 on one of them. It ended up being called back for offside. Bowen went through down our left there, right. Virgil had to intervene. Virgil had also made an incredible block from Bowen in the first half. An absolutely incredible block. Antonio broke down that same channel. And again, Virgil does brilliantly. But the midfield had been wide open and they were continuing to play through us. We had two in midfield, Fabinho and Oxlade-Chamberlain, then Fabinho and Thiago. They basically had five. They were going six on six. Their five midfielders and attacker against our two midfielders and three defenders. Sorry, four defenders. They had the momentum. Our lads just weren't getting back into position quick enough. Our midfield was being left exposed. After Van Dijk's intervention on Antonio leads to a corner. It's a brilliant corner by Jared Bone. It's a high dipping ball that lands perfectly at the back post. Kurt Zuma makes a late run, completely unmarked. Nobody tries to block his run or trail the run. Zuma's one of the best in Europe in the air. And he ends up with a free header at the back post, about two yards from goal, which he powers past Allison. Now, I've seen Allison blamed for this, and I don't know what people expect him to have done. There was no possible way for him to get to that, co- that corner. The height and dip on that ball and the, the bend on it made it impossible for Allison to do anything other than what he did. The power of the header makes it nearly impossible for him to save it. I've seen people suggest that Trent is to blame. Because Trent is at the back post. But for Trent to reach that ball, he would have had to have been about two yards further back and gotten a proper run. And the problem with that is he couldn't track the flight of that ball because he didn't see the ball until very late. Because as Bowen took it, he's got the whole box to see through. The only thing Trent could have done is maybe foul Zuma. But that's no better than the situation that we found ourselves in anyway. There's no possible way for Trent to win that ball. He's not going to outjump Kurt Zuma when he's jumping from a standing start and Zuma is running with momentum. There's no possible way for Trent to win that ball. Zuma is much better in the air than Trent. He's much bigger than Trent, much stronger than Trent. He is winning that ball regardless. The two issues with that third goal are how easy they found it to play through us and get that 1v1 of Antonio versus Virgil and the failure to track Zuma's run or block Zuma's run. And we're 3-1 down. Jürgen throws on Divock and Divock scores a wonder goal. Sets it up with his right foot, finishes with his left foot on a swivel and a volley. It's a brilliant goal. We scored two brilliant goals in this game. But we needed brilliant goals because we created so little. And yes, XG models, some of them anyway, show us having a higher XG than them. But XG doesn't take into account block shots, doesn't take into account 1v1 opportunities like 
the Bowen, uh, the Bowen Virgil one, the Antonio Virgil one, or the Antonio opportunity where he just loses control of the ball. They don't take those things into account. But those were big, big opportunities that West Ham created. Not big chances. Big chances are quantifiable statistic. Big opportunities is not. It's not something that gets tracked. But they're big opportunities that they had. What big opportunities did we have in the game? One late one, a Sadio Mane header. And that's it. And unfortunately, Sadio just can't guide the ball in the right direction. We had a bunch of half chances, like the Mane one in the first half, like the Jota header from the Henderson cross. It's just a little bit too high for him. And he can't quite get up, get on top of it. We didn't create enough, and we were far too open defensively. Just like against Brighton, just like against Brentford. We have now conceded two or more goals four times in this Premier League campaign so far. In 1819 and 1920, we only conceded two or more goals four times across entire 38 game seasons. We're currently conceding a goal a game in the Premier League on average. 11 games, 11 goals conceded. Only one team in the past 20 years has won the title conceding a goal a game or more. That was Manchester United and Ferguson's last title win. When he, through whatever dark arts it is that he accumulated by selling his soul to the devil, managed to will them over the line. The ultimate dead cat bouncing title was that last United team. They weren't the best team in the league. They weren't a particularly good team in general. And we saw what happened the next season. With Moyes, who's a good manager, they were a mid-table team. But we have a serious issue in our team right now. Serious issue in midfield. Where Fabinho and Trent are being asked to do three positions work. They're being asked to do the defensive midfield, right midfield and right back roles between the two of them. And that's very concerning. The midfield did not play well yesterday. None of the three that started. Henderson continued his terrible form this season. Oxlade-Chamberlain looked like the Oxlade-Chamberlain that played against Brighton rather than the one that played against Atletico Madrid. And Fabinho had a poor game. But Fabinho is excusable because he's been asked to do far too much. Joel Matip did not have a good game. And that's a few in a row he's put in that haven't been particularly good in the league. Andy Robertson had another poor game. And I think the Costa Simicus chatter is going to increase. I don't think you can really fault the front three yesterday. They got little support from the midfield. They got no creativity from the midfield. And it is remarkable that apparently Jürgen is, is happy for one of his midfielders to go and play as a fourth forward, despite that player not offering very much an attack. And this is not knee-jerk, because all of these things were clear as day after a number of other performances this season, including the first three Champions League games where we saw Liverpool open. Even in the Porto game, Liverpool were very open and Diaz had a couple of big chances. 
Milan carved them apart. Madrid carved them apart in Madrid. The only Champions League game Liverpool have looked comfortable in was when Felipe got sent off in the most recent one. In the league, Norwich, Burnley, Watford, United. Four really bad teams. Other than that, they ha- and Leeds. And Leeds, who were dreadful at the time. Other than that, they haven't always looked the most comfortable. And Liverpool are still yet to win a Premier League game where they've conceded a goal. And that's worrying. But the amount of work the defence is being asked to do is just unfair. And I've seen people say, well, if Alisson had a normal Alisson game yesterday, Liverpool probably would have won the game. And that might be true. But at the same time, a normal Alisson game this season has been him saving the team, him being Superman. He can't be expected to perform at that level every single game. Nobody else is. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about Salah as the best player in the world. Now, unless he pulls off this best player in the world type level, which he didn't against Brighton, and he didn't yesterday, we look very, very blunt in attack. We look very much like a one-trick pony. If Mo's not at his very, very best, we look quite predictable. And even yesterday, we were left hoping and praying that he could try and beat three or four defenders and do something ridiculous. It's the international break, so Klopp has time now to reflect on what the issues are. And you would hope that coming at the far side of this international break, changes will be made. We've got no control in midfield right now. Now, we can fix that by bringing back in Thiago. He's fit now, came on yesterday. Thiago and Fabinho together will give us control. But we still can't have a situation where the third midfielder isn't playing as a midfielder from a defensive point of view and the right back is having to fill that role. Because what that's doing is it's leaving our right back position vacated. And if that third midfielder, who's basically playing as a winger, isn't getting back to fill that right back spot, we will have a hole. And teams will find it and expose it time and again. Big work for Jurgen. Big, big work for Jurgen. Now, the talk that the title is over, it's nonsense. It's 11 games in, 27 games left to go. The football season's just getting started. The season's just getting started. But there are very concerning issues with this team right now. They were there when we were drawing and even winning some of the games. And people chose to overlook them. Because people react to the scoreline. They judge things on the scoreline and not on the actual game, not on what's happened. And they don't take into account that bad habits, that behavioral patterns, that systemic errors don't go away just because you've won a game. And they will continue to be a problem and eventually they will cost you. Can't just excuse everything just because Liverpool score more goals than the opposition. You have to look at the entire game. 
you have to look at what the game comprised of. Because Liverpool won't score more goals than the opposition in every game. And sometimes the opposition will score more goals because of those systemic issues, because of behaviours, because of individual errors. Individual errors that have been highlighted previously and overlooked. Two weeks until the next game. Two weeks and Jürgen has a lot to do. A lot to do. Um, this is Anfield have plenty of post-match coverage from yesterday's game. Um, another missed chance in the title race. Five talking points from West Ham 3, Liverpool 2. Reds can have no complaints about costly loss. Contentious decisions and a break at the right time. The last word on West Ham 3, Liverpool 2. There is also a piece about Ben Woodburn scoring a rare brace on loan or something. I don't know. Um, Mikel Antonio reveals West Ham's strategy to exploit that exploited Liverpool's weaknesses. There's player ratings. There's Jurgen Klopp's comments after the game where he said it was a clear red card and he was quite um, quite annoyed, I think, at, at the VAR decisions. He accused the referees and VAR of hiding behind each other. I think, I think he went a little bit too far with some of what he said. Liverpool are set to play the first game of the Premier League's safe standing trial. Uh, Liverpool are set to play in the first game of the Premier League's safe standing trial next year, despite opting out of the pilot themselves. The Reds were among the clubs to apply. We're not among the clubs to apply to take part in the trial, which commences January first, as they were conducting their own research with sections in the Cop and Anfield Road ends. Safe standing is understandably still a divisive subject on Merseyside, obviously. 32 years on from Hillsborough, but it is widely considered a welcome development in the Premier League. So we will play Chelsea on January 1st, and that is likely to be the very first game. Actually, we play them January 2nd, and that is likely to be the first game if Chelsea have it implemented, uh, which I assume they will. I would assume they will. Um, yeah, I mean, it's obviously going to be you know, a difficult topic to broach with some people, but it's been done in Europe, it's throughout Germany, it's been done at Celtic, it works, it helps the atmosphere. It is something that they really do need to consider strongly. Uh, on Liverpool.com, there's a piece about Divock Origi. There is a media wrap-up something about Mbappe that I can't be bothered reading today. Uh, FSG priority should be clear as West Ham expose Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool's Achilles heel again. Uh, ideal 42 million Roberto Firmino air sent transfer reminder versus Dortmund and Liverpool must have noticed. This is a piece about Christopher Nkunku who is playing absolutely out of his mind at the minute. Looks sensational. Performing at a very, very high level. Game in and game out. 11 goals and 7 assists in just 17 matches so far this season. The way he's playing, he could be a Firmino air, he could be a Mane air. His movement is incredible, his dribbling is phenomenal, his finishing, his passing. He's such an intelligent player. And his versatility would bring exactly what Jurgen Klopp looks for. 
Um, he's averaging 5.04 shot creating actions per 90 in the past year as well, which is very, very impressive. 19.58 pressures. So, you know, he could fit well into the pressing style of Liverpool. I think Nkunku is probably a player that Liverpool will look at. We know they like buying from the Red Bull Network or players that have been there. Mane was at Salzburg. We obviously bought Keita and we bought um, Kanate from there as well. So I, I would imagine Nkunku is one that we are keeping an eye on. Liverpool could copy Costa Simicus transfer for perfect perfect 13-goal Trent Alexander-Arnold deputy, Rasmus Christensen, who is a very, very good player. Danish right back. Um, it's taken a bit of time to find his feet at Salzburg. He moved there in 2019. And hasn't always been first choice. And they've had other options. And that hasn't helped him. But this season, he is playing exceptionally well. And um, at 24 years of age, at 24 years of age, he could be a good option. Bring in. Don't think he calls the sun, moon and the stars. Develop him for a couple of years. Sell him on at a profit. He's good on the ball. He's added goals to his game. He's got... Six goals and seven assists this season in 22 games, which is obviously outstanding from right back. He's also very comfortable at right midfield. His contract is until 2025. He did just sign a new contract this past summer. But I still don't think he'd be any more than 15 million, which to get somebody who would give Trent a bit of a break would be money well spent. Uh, on AnfieldIndex.com, Stephen Smith has his player ratings up. There is a new Gags Tandon show about the Liverpool-West Ham game. Gags was joined by John Busco and Carl Wilkinson. There were also some callers. Listen to that podcast. L- listen to Dell. Just listen to Dell, and it will cheer you up. Uh, there was a post-match raw. Myself, Trev, and Mo Chatra. Um it was what it was. It was it was about an hour and fifteen minutes of me ranting and raving. Um, Trev getting progressively more annoyed across the podcast at, at different things, such as the referee and um, and Mo trying to keep sanity amongst us. And I don't think he really succeeded, unfortunately. But uh, it's there. It's worth the listen. And that's me for today, folks. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.